Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather and what we do when we gather is discuss the issues. We gather every day, by the way, except Christmas, we take that off. We discuss the issues between food production and food consumption. It's it's kind of like an in-between Monday, Tuesday. Andrew Henderson checked out today. So we have Hank, who normally is here on Monday, but he didn't want to work on Christmas Day. No, that's not true. He was busy working on Christmas Day. We couldn't get on the air. And Jay Truett checking in from where now he's complaining that there's some frost on the window in Texas. Merry Christmas, yep. guys. Merry hey. Christmas to you as well. Happy. Uh, well, I was going to I had a whole big speech on Boxing Day ready for Andrew, but <laughs> Hank, Hank could care less about it. I mean, uh, except that a bunch of people are eating lamb today so around the world. So, OK, speaking hey. of eating lamb, did you know during the winter solstice in the town my wife is from, that is the traditional meal? That would be in China, oh, yeah. For those that don't know. Yeah. It, it's they, lamb. Yeah, just lamb on that day. And, of course, it's a, a small burg. There's only 12 million people there. So they've got to be right. consuming a few lamb chops in there somehow. Yeah, it's a good thing. Make so, them disappear. Hank, I know you don't catch across the pond, but we have to extend the conversation that Andrew and I had. Um, I, it's come to my attention that food inflation has reduced across the board on all food items particularly at the retail level, not necessarily at food service, but everything except beef, veal, and lamb is cheaper than it was. Beef, veal, and lamb is more expensive. And somebody that I love dearly paid $35 a pound for lamb chops for Christmas day. I got some pictures that really look fantastic, but still $35 a pound. And then Andrew tells me that he's having lamb today in the United Kingdom, and he paid less than $5 a pound for a rack of lamb. I realize that a rack of lamb is not lamb chops, but still, the disparagement in price is incredible. All of that being said, if you look at what's happening in Australia, the largest lamb producer in the world, they too are paying a, a very high price, which is very troubling to them, because, them being the lamb producers, because they can't live export like they normally do. And they don't have enough people to eat the lamb, and yet people are paying high prices for lamb. So I don't know what's going on yeah. in this lamb market around the world. Shed some light. First of all, uh, the largest lamb producer, and I don't know why this is, or or mutton or whatever, uh, ovine, used to be the Soviet Union. Now it's China. So do they wow. know something the rest of us don't know? Uh, they have more sheep than anybody else. But I've don't want to be a conspiracy theory guy, but you have very few people in this country that are handling lamb through the, through the uh, process, through, through the, from uh, live animals to uh, cut up and wrap. Uh, they, they, there's about two slaughterhouses, maybe three tops. And most of those slaughterhouses are, are controlled by one group. And, and uh, the beef is uh, JBS from Brazil. To lamb. my understanding, with with the beef, so you included beef, and in the price is still going up. Uh, they're using a wonderful excuse that, uh, but between Ovid and and the and the exuber exuberance that we had a few years ago, and everybody were uh, there'd never been another dark day in the beef deal. They 
overproduced, and now they're culling and selling. The uh, heifer ratio in the feedlot is still high, so pe- people are not keeping back replacement heifers. The cows are getting older. They're selling them right along, and so it's kind of it's kind of a stalemate. But trust me, anytime you let a farmer, whether it's Mary Juwani or chickens, if he can make some money, he'll try and make more money next year. Then that's basically uh, the scenario. Two years ago, you couldn't give a lamb away in this country, but the price didn't seem to go down at all in the market. So go figure. Okay, I stand corrected. I verified. I'm the fact checker for Rural Route. China has 175 million sheep, which puts them at twice, over twice, almost two and a half times Australia at 70 million head. But the significance is that in the past five years, their land, their sheep population has dramatically increased. So to your point, what do they know? We don't know. Yeah. Well, food and fiber and the inedible plants and, and things that other animals don't take and man doesn't either uh, balances out nature. And of course, that dirty little buggers are breathing out that carbon dioxide, you know, <laughs> which is probably going to kill all the trees with over overgrowth. <laughs> right. It'll be too green. Yes. At some <laughs> point, right? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be too green. That's that'll be That's the exactly next thing that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, the next pan, the next uh, the next move by the environmental community it will be uh, let's be less green, whatever that means. <laughs> That'll be it. I promise you. So, regardless of all of that information, which I think is really good, thirty five dollars a pound, I, Hank. I don't think you're getting your fair share when lamb is bringing thirty five dollars a pound at the retail outlet. Well. Uh... <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing that with us, uh, Trento. <laughs> you hadn't thought oh, of that's that. new. Yeah, <laughs> Hank's going like, oh, yeah, I'm just rolling in money. We're surprised he doesn't look like Brewster's Millionaire's advertisements there or something, right? Just throwing cash in the, in the, in the air. As yeah. Buffy and I, we ordered our new uh, Rolls right. Royce pickup. <laughs> right, yeah. No, you got, you got tech. Tech billionaires and sheep guys. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's, that's the order still, right? Yeah, Bill Gates is next. That's Hank. Nancy He's Pelosi. Up. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi's yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her, well, her husband anyway is yeah. just scared to death of what Hank's going to buy out from under him this week. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I I sat and I listened to the conversation, and I listened to I listened to. Uh, 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 most of the show with Andrew as well. And I, I was sitting here just kind of going through my head and I kind of pulled up the North traditional websites. Right. And yeah, I mean, there's an obvious problem in the, in the lamb industry in the United States. And the fact that it's trying to, it's trying to disappear as hard as it can. Right. I mean, and that is, and that, and, and, and that's the saddest part of it. Right. Cause it really is one of the, uh, it, it's one of our original things that we did well uh, in the in North America. Um, and so, um, I, you know, I'm kind of it, it kind of makes you sad. You look at it and then you sit there and you think, OK, well, why why isn't this industry growing at a at a margin that creates a thirty five dollar lamb chop, you know, Um which is literally like five times what somebody in England is paying today. 
Um, and I, for the life of me, I can't think of of why we're not why that industry is not expanding. Uh, it does fit in all of these uh, smaller operations that are out there today. And I, and you know, if you if you're a YouTuber and you watch all these um, ridiculous people that are uh, homesteading, which that's my own separate rant. Um, the, uh, the reality is almost all of them are trying to figure out how to raise some sheep, you know, and, and they're using them as a part of their operation, which is wise, um, especially on those size operations, the cash flows better, uh, than it is in beef. And I'm a cattle guy, but I mean, seriously, the, the sheep cash flow is much better in a, in a small operation than, um, than what cattle will ever be. And, but we, but we just don't have anybody interested in being in the, in the, uh, in well, the land packing Didn't business. Hank nail it right off? I mean, if you're going Probably. to be anything other than a home butcher and you don't do it at a custom plant, if you raise lambs for a commercial market, there's just not enough marketing access around the nation to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, so here's here's the other thing, and I remember being cautioned about this uh, back in the era when I worked for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, and uh, John Houston one time, who's an old name, uh, people loved John or hated John uh, one way or another, but he'd worked with the National Livestock and Meat Board, so he'd kind of looked at all meat um, uh, uh, at some time or another. Jay, and, and, we're going to look at all meat. Look at all me okay. is how you pick it up when we get back. Second segment, Jay Truett, Hank Vogler, Trent Loose with Sheep 101. More after this. We're counting the days now. The National Western begins next week. Next week. Can you believe that? One week from Saturday, January the 6th. We will have Cattleman's Day. And then on January the 7th, there will be a commercial bread female sale. January the 10th, there will be a beef and wine festival. We're going to celebrate everything about the resource providers, not only of Colorado, but this entire nation. I would suggest you go to the website and check out the plan. I'm just sharing with you my interest. There's so many things that can be done at the National Western, particularly if you got some toddlers or young ones along. You not only get to see the animals, you get to talk about how we acquire, how we acquire domestic food and fuel and fiber. Can't talk about this without talking about fiber because we've got some wool competition as well and spinning. It's all happening in Denver, National Western. Details online, nationalwestern.com. See you next week. Welcome back. We're all out. Trent Luce alongside. Hey, during the break, Jay and Hank, I sent you pictures of the lamb. It was Libby. It was Libby, actually. That. Yep. Got that lamb and her husband Andrew cooked. Hey, it. wow! Look at those lamb chops, man. Oh. Yeah, no, he looks like he did a good job yeah. as well. He no, my it. all right. Look my, at all meats. Is where you picking it up? Yeah, when when you when you look at all meats in the meat case, he used to caution us all the time that there was a when you started losing a certain amount of space and you got down to a critical critically small space in the meat case that it was really easy for stores just to zero you out. And that has happened to lamb. In a lot of places in America, you can't walk into the store and just buy lamb. You can't. And so at some, and then regaining that space, 
is one of the literally one of the biggest challenges in the grocery retail access world. Uh, trying to get shelf space in a retail outlet today that's already being taken up by something that's probably got a good margin for them is one of the toughest things that you can do. And it makes that guy selling those $35 lamb chops, it makes them uh, uh, unique. So now they're a specialty seller. They're the guy that has Maryland blue crabs when nobody else does or whatever, right? And um, it's, a, it's a tough slog, and it, it's going to be a tough slog for a well, while, I think. Do you, see, do you see any parallels with what's happened to the, the, the lamb industry with beef cattle? I do. We see, see that out here in the West, on the, especially federal land. And one of the biggest mistakes ever made was when they converted, first of all, the Taylor Grazing Act was to eliminate the sheep guys because they, after the bad years in 98, 99, the 1800s, uh, it wiped out a lot of cow outfits and the sheep guys got in. But to balance the range, uh, the sheep took a lot of plants that the cows didn't. So then when they changed them over to cows, the cows hammered the their edible plants and left thousands and millions of acres uh, alone, never went near it. And so then they cut them and cut them and cut them. And, and uh, uh, the environmentalists were right that, yeah, the cattle were overgrazing their the the diet that they had, but they were overlooking the fact that it could have balanced the range by taking and putting more sheep on the range, not less. And now, and yeah. then now, now we're trying to get rid of the cows too. You know, they got methane, they have carbon dioxide, they, uh, you know, everything. And, and so what the, uh, Bill Gates wants us to eat worms. So, you know, I mean, it's just Cr it's, crickets just to be factual. Crickets. Thing. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, listen, I think it's kind of a, an, uh, every scenario, it, it has, has been a serious factor in it. But to your point, this, you know, this whole thing for the lamb industry, when you look at it, right, it's played out literally since the, the late 1800s, uh, when they went through their boom bust cycles, but they never came back, right? They, they'd have a little boom. And, and then uh, from a population standpoint, from an animal number standpoint, and then they decline. And you see, you see a slight rise for, for a few decades. But then when you see the declines there, they were losing infrastructure at each point. Yeah. And I, 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 I do understand that the palate changed for some people. But listen, if you look at the demographics of the United States and you look at the demographics that are growing, I do spend a lot of time looking at that. And you go to a place like um, um, into Minneapolis, Minnesota, and you want to market into Minneapolis, Minnesota, you better sell lamb. Yeah, I mean, you better but, sell it. But, Jay, think, think about that to the next level. We know that the Muslim population in the United States has just exploded in the past 20, 30 years. Right. And they are lamb consumers. I mean, look at New Holland Absolutely. livestock, what's taking place in, in Pennsylvania going into that lamb and goat market. But we haven't seen the demand or the, the increase in the infrastructure of lamb to match the changing demographics of our population. 
Well, yeah, but part of that, though, Trent, no offense, is that the the other competition for the for the uh, standard middle, middle American traditional white family, right? Let's just be honest about it. Chicken replaced beef and yeah. lamb, and maybe a little bit of pork Absolutely. in that. And and so if you if if lamb was my point is still now we're back to John Houston's point, and I think Providence has proven him right. Once you get down to that small enough little window of retail space, losing it is a weekend away, literally. And well, uh, you, once you lose that space, chicken took it. It can't. You can't get it back. You're not going to get it back. Uh, price wise, it's a tough. It's a tough run, et cetera, et cetera. And I, um, that does drive cost up. That does drive retail margins up because now your freight changes and now you don't have this natural fill in the market, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, it's a. And I'm not, my experience, my experience with the Muslim trade uh, was in California. Uh, the guy feeding my lambs down there says, uh, you want to sell some lambs? I said, yeah. How many truckloads? No, trailer load. <laughs> the guy wants a hundred head. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy shows up. He wanted ninety-two pound lambs, and when he yeah. got off the Dodge Gate, guess what they weighed? Ninety-two pounds. So he was no—he was no amateur at what he was looking at. Right. And right. and he he, he uh, walked over to me, shook my hand, and said, uh, "So you want cash?" Yeah. <laughs> and just scared the crap out of me. Huh? What do we trade? Is this drug money? What you know, cash? No. What, what does that look like? So, it 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 they've got their own market. They've got their own system. Yeah, the to, guy's to got that, his own trailer. To They're that butchering point, them in Hank, the backyard. There's I no think that, Yeah, I think that's the answer to the question because you know there was a time we had several goats around here and we were selling goats one by one to people like that, but they had a certain parameter. I mean, for example, if they were buying a male. It could not be a weather. They they wouldn't. Their culture would not allow them to buy a weather. It had to be an intact male. So the the infrastructure that as we know it through the lamb packing and processing and distribution doesn't meet that cultural uh, diversity and what they have to have. They had to have a ninety two pound lamb for a certain reason and a tail. And they and uh, yeah, they and do not tail. want the females. They the females are unclean, which. Brings me to the fact that all the little snowflakes out in the streets <laughs> protesting for them, uh, they ought to look up what their value is in a Muslim society. <laughs> Probably <laughs> they go home and do well, their homework. <laughs> well, but again, you know, if you're if you were looking at this last spring prices for lambs, though, uh, right in the mid three dollar range, something like that for market lambs, uh, which is, um, um. What is that over the five-year average, like a buck above or something? Oh, yeah, uh, more it's, than that, almost double yeah, from the year before. Right, right, yeah, from the year before for sure, right? But even if you look at trying to do, which there's kind of a not a bad five-year run, really, um, there for a little while that was going on, and you, and you sit there and you go, so 2023 starts off by topping out that market. I, I think what it suggests is that there really is good demand and just, but the problem is, it's just in certain areas. 
And I think we've probably lost big chunks of the market that we even have access into. And for a land producer, that means they got to start from ground zero and reintroduce families that don't cook traditionally and don't, you know, I mean, that's kind of a lost art in, in mm-hmm. a big part of our society that people even set down for supper. They just don't do it like that anymore. And so, you know, you got to figure out how you fit into that or you're stuck servicing uh, me, Trent, and the, and the, and the Muslim market place. Well, that's, that's going to be a, I can't hold prop that up too well. I'll try, I promise, but uh, the, we can't, we just can't make that work like that, uh, right? I'll, I'll eat as to much beef better... and lamb as I can get my hands on. That's yeah. the moral of the story, Jay Truitt. And Hank Vogler sitting in on a Tuesday. We're back with the second half right after this. Kicking off the new year, let's talk about precision agriculture and our ability to fight weeds, to fight insects. We do it with the patchy sprayers with the least amount of effort, reliability, service, innovation. All comes to mind when you talk about the Apache sprayer systems. Now, the service portion comes at the local level. Like all things, the local level needs to be intact. Simpson Farm Enterprises, we are talking about our events coming up February 13th and 14th. That's in Great Bend. And then over in Ransom, Kansas, simpsonfarm.com for more details. I look forward to seeing you at those two events. And High Plains Apache in the northern Great Plains, Minnesota. High Plains Apache gets the job done. It all comes from the same outfit, but it just depends on where you're at and who's going to be backing it up with the service. More details about this machine can be found at simpsonfarm.com or highplainsapache.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Lewis alongside Jay Truitt. Hank Vogler, you know how you get into a habit of just saying things without thinking about them? It's just hard to say Jay Truitt. Hank Vogler, usually it's just Hank Vogler on a Monday. Jay Truitt and Andrew Henderson, but today's not a normal day. It's the day after Christmas. Hey, it's Andrew, kind of a special day. Yeah. <laughs> it's a special day because Andrew, for whatever reason, he chose to go eat lamb with his mother to celebrate Christmas. And here the three of us stand here with our mouth watering talking about lamb. <laughs> yeah, but the the thought that he would choose his mama over Hank and I, um, I don't know. I probably won't be offended for about a minute. No, I. You think it was his I mom was, or the just, lamb that he chose? Uh, yeah, uh, you know what? Um, to to help Andrew out a little bit, just in case, let's just say he chose Mama, and Lamb okay. happened to be the bonus prize, right? No, I I think the other thing that we're just not really that that we're we're dodging the one of the big chunks of this conversation for the lamb industry in the country, though, and that is this predator issue. And I oh dear uh, oh dear hang on well and you know you can't get around it you still got states like Colorado that can't they can't stop bringing wolves in right when when they already have literally everything else on the predator list and so over the break I pulled up last year's numbers out of my home state of Texas right and I pull I pull them up we lost twenty percent of the lamb crop. To in predators. Texas, the predators. When well, you lose, what, you know, when you lose twenty percent of a crop, e- even if even if it's a profitable 
overall year. Hank, you know better than anybody. I mean, you know this whole experience personally. I know that. I know this is part of your own battle. It's a defeating thing, though, when oh. when you're battling you're battling nature, you're battling the government, you're battling your state, probably you're battling whack jobs that camp out on your property, just waiting for you to kill a feral hog and then blame you because it has a lamb in its mouth. I mean, and that literally we've got even feral hogs have developed a taste for lamb in certain parts of Texas. And so you, now you have a nightmare um, chasing you, chasing you. And I, I'm not for sure what the real solution to it is in our society. I know what the solution is. I just don't know what the solution is in our society today. The, there, well, is a, there is an answer. The number one thing that I see with the predator issue is, I mean, uh, okay, city folks, you, you've had to put the toothpaste behind lock and key because of people coming in and just taking stuff and leaving. Well, it, now they know how I felt my entire mm -hmm. career in the sheep business. Yeah, uh, it, it used to be the trapper showed up. He put up a couple of uh, pop-ups, cyanide pop-ups, and eliminated the problem uh, because it was a single individual. Now, I mean, uh, when they killed 25 coyotes out of a band of sheep in one night, in one afternoon, what you know, morning with a helicopter, uh, guess what they were living on and why they were uh, drawn to my sheep? I mean, yeah. Yeah, right. And, and so... So you wind up, you go to the camp and everybody's got a long, sad face and they're trying their best and, and, and they, they're trying to help you and help themselves and get, you know, all the reasons that they're there. And you wind up being a tap dancer, trying to encourage them yeah. to not go to work at a dairy or go back home, sadly, because uh, there seems to be no, no reason to be there. Yeah. And that 20%, if if that was the margin I could have for for to pay my personal bills and to put uh, against the the value of the ranch et cetera et cetera, that would be an incentive for me to get bigger and bigger right there. I mean, oh, absolutely right. Twenty yeah, percent is a huge amount. No, see, and that's and I think that's my point is that you know so I looked at I also looked at some of the USDA numbers. Well, they report something closer to ten percent, but when you talk when you look at the numbers that the state guys reported then they go like they said usda says close to 10 percent the the texas folks say nah it wasn't 10 percent. it was a lot closer to 20 percent and take any listen if everybody in the in the country paid 20 percent in income taxes which some of us do but most people actually don't if everybody paid 20 percent in income taxes um, we wouldn't we wouldn't have a deficit. We literally just wouldn't have a deficit. And so you you can't. You know, you uh, the same is true for Hank's operation. I, I, I mean, I look at I, when I looked at those numbers, that was pretty uh, I knew there was a problem. That was pretty shocking to me. And I'm one of the people that pay attention. Right. The average person, they don't really care whether Hank well, stays in business or not. But I kind of do. Well, now the now the provider is when the wife leaves her job at five o'clock and the husband leaves her job at his job at five o'clock, and one calls the other and said, "Would you stop by KFC and get dinner?" Uh, yeah. 
that's that's one of the big reasons. But, you know, and I never thought I would ever live to say this, Jay, but there are some whack jobs out there that want to starve enough people to death to control population. It's it's the only reason. Sure. And now they're working sure. on the hunters. The hunters in this state are absolutely beside themselves. There is no wildlife out there. And we do have wolves, even though we claim we don't, in the northern part of this state. And and you go to Oregon. I grew up in Oregon. Uh, if you didn't shoot, if you harvested anything less than a four-point, you were considered a Portland doe hunter. It, you were a joke. I mean, the deer were looked like bands of sheep. And at that time, there were bands of sheep, but there was predator right. control. Uh, we have this huge deal about sage grouse. In the Midwest, it, it's the prairie chicken. Well, you limit those predators out there and those prey bases will explode. But if you want to say, well, there, we have no reason to have guns. You can't even hunt anymore, you fools. Well, and, and the kids, you tell the kids about the old days when you used to go out and see 70, 80 bucks in a day and, and deer everywhere. Uh, you can't take them on the Baton Death March and see one old ride right. and, and right. expect, that, you know, they're not going to do that. They're going to stay home and go. If they want to hunt, they can go to Cabela's and they can get a video and watch that and shoot a four point record deer every time. I mean, we, the whole paradigm has shifted away and it has to do with gun control and food control. Uh, I mean, if you control the food and that's a little hard to sell when you go into the Piggly Wiggly and there's food as far as the eye can see. But if you yeah. continue to whittle away here, whittle away there, limit this, limit that, make this too expensive, yada, yada, yada. Pretty soon, the people on the bottom end start dropping off. And, yeah, and I'm I literally being dropped the... off. No, that's the key. That's the key. That I think that is the whole key statement right there. Right, is that the 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 only people that and we like to blame we like to blame concentration on uh, concentration, but the reality is is that we're allowing a whole lot of things that just take the 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 smaller producer or that small diversified producer that does work in town and and has a has a a family operation as well, but maybe he does something else and maybe his wife teaches school and at the local, whatever, right. Or whatever she does. And, uh, or maybe she's the CEO of a local company, right? It's not, it's not about that. It is literally though, about the fact that we have, we've created this scenario where something that we have the, we know we have the ability to manage because we have managed it. From time to time, we've been allowed to manage it. And and this is government interference. And the people like a Bill Gates or somebody else that wants to feed us crickets anyway um, says, hey, listen, why don't we uh, return this thing, whole thing back to a pristine environment? And, well, you know, an important part of that is predators. Well, I would agree. If you're not going to raise livestock, predators are an important part. But wait unless everybody wants to eat you know uh, a gamey old uh, um, uh, piece of uh, a, a bull elk every year uh, and that's the only thing that you're going to do 
Um, if you if again, if you like going by KFC, you might want to think that someday there will be foxes in the hen house as well because we'll outlaw killing them. Mm-hmm. And so, well, speaking of Colorado, they're trying to do that. Well, yeah, and uh, again, literally, like you look at what Colorado just did was, I mean, this is even stupid at at like a stupid level uh, to introduce wolves. Uh, two valleys over from the largest tourist trap in Colorado, up in the in the ski mountain cities, and so, I mean, it, it doesn't even make sense. Five years, just so everybody knows yeah. the number. Well, and 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 we're you know we're introducing uh, breeding age animals, right? We're we're doing everything that we can to build a wolf herd, uh, a wolf pack. Um, across Colorado. Well, you think that when they get to a sign that says New Mexico, uh, they're going to stop, or when they get to Kansas, they're going to stop, or Nebraska? No. no or Wyoming. Where the food's at. They're going to go where that oh, little minute, lamb Jay. is. Jay, they're going. To, they're in Las Vegas. Not wolves yet, but coyotes. <laughs> we, yeah. My wife has a home here, and and all the time. You go by there's got some duck ponds over on the golf course, and and you see these puffs of feathers. Well, you've seen those puffs of feathers before. Mm-hmm. It's what's left mm-hmm. after a coyote catches a duck or a goose. And, oh yeah. And my neighbor took a picture of a mountain lion laying on the uh, on the guy's back wall. Uh, yeah, and there's everywhere there's signs on the trees missing foo foo fluffy uh, bark. <laughs> The doll. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, guess what? No, nah, they're not win. missing. No, nah, they're not missing. No. They were Christmas yeah. dinner. <laughs> we yeah. gotta go to a break. <laughs> Jay Truitt, <laughs> Hank Vogler, Trent Loose, Roll Route, the last segment just ahead. How much do you know about Apache sprayers? Not enough? Well, there's places to go get more information about how effective, how reliable, and what service you can find behind the Apache sprayers in the Great Plains of America. High Plains Apache from Mandan and Fargo. You can stop in the store or go to the website. Simpson Farm Enterprises, multiple locations in Nebraska, Kansas. Also a great service down in Oklahoma. I personally been to Chillicothe, Texas with Simpsons. Simpsons are going to have an event. Great Bend on February 13th and the perfect place to take your wife on Valentine's Day, Ransom, Kansas with Simpson Farm Enterprises, February 14th. Full details about what I'm talking about at SimpsonFarm.com or HighPlainsApache.com. Both of them keeping you on the cutting edge of precision agriculture. And if you would like to have, we need to get Greg Hager to these events. The Entertainer of the Year remains rooted in Christian and country values, check out Greg Hager Music online. If you get a CD, you're going to want to have him at your event, greghager.com. Welcome back, Roll Route, Trent Loose, into the final segment. And guys, before we get back to Fluffy, Fluffy, and Fufu, and William Winston III missing, um, <laughs> I, I sent a text during that break to my friend Sean Schaefer, who works in the cervid industry in North Dakota. He's with the uh, North American uh, deer breeders. But anyway, um, 
you got me to thinking, Hank, when you're talking about the deer population and what it is. You know, we had wildlife populations flourishing until the last couple of years, since COVID actually has nothing to do with COVID, other than I think that's when the control really ramped up. The Nebraska Fish and Wildlife uh, Agency says that in the state of Nebraska, our deer numbers are currently 10%, 10% of what they were a year ago and normal. And now Kelly and one other person that I know have had deer attack cars driving down the road. I mean, literally attack them. And the chronic wasting disease is running rampant. And these deer have a prion and they're going nuts. Guys, I used to spend a lot of time with deer and elk breeders around this country from Salt Lake City to Pennsylvania and everywhere in between. The, the USDA, it's, I can document, the USDA literally hauled chronic wasting disease from Colorado Research Station to Wisconsin Research Station. And it, I'm now thinking that they're probably scattering intentionally these prion diseases simply to decimate the wildlife population. I mean, I don't have all the data to verify all of that, but what I do know would lead me to believe that it's very possible. Well, thus you don't need guns. They're always, you know, even old Pinocchio Joe says, well, all you need is a shotgun. You know, if you're a hunter, uh, you don't need a banana clip. Well, I don't yeah. think anywhere in the Constitution that says anything about bearing arms to uh, go hunting. Uh, no, is to right. protect no. yourself from an overbearing government. I, I don't know. Right. But chronic wasting disease is no different than the Wuhan virus. It came out of a lab. And, it did. and now it's spreading. And, and one state is the only state that I know of that finally woke up, and that's Utah. They put a huge bounty. They took the, they took the mountain lion off the big game list, and now it's back on the predator list. You can hunt them 24-7, 365. Uh, the coyote, they have a bounty on them, you know. And, and those guys were sneaking over here because I live pretty close to the line and harvesting a few coyotes out of this country. And the game warden happened to stop by and say, boy, you see these guys, these Utah plates over here on coyotes, you let me know. Oh, yeah, Eric. I'll, be the <laughs> I'll get right on that. Started. What's your number? Yeah. That. We got to stop that yeah. crap. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, it uh, literally, they, I mean, we create this environment, though, where you turn farmers into like moonshine. Um, you know what? Still operators, it's crazy right? how many days that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we, we, uh, um, the, so there's a, there's a moral to the story here, right? And that is literally, um, uh, the same moral to a lot of stories that we talk about, um, regarding agriculture. And that is that government's not going to be your partner. Um, they'll convince you they are, and they'll try to talk you into being their partner. But the reality is, you may have to do business with them, but they're not your partner. And, and they people will have to, yeah. They'll pick favors. They'll pick their yeah. favorites. And then they'll convince the rest of the people, hey, you keep your head down and your butt up and you'll be all right. But these these outlaws, these fringe people that want to that wanna argue with me, by golly, we're going to get them, you know. I mean, yeah. right here in downtown River City. The gentleman didn't even have these underwear out of his suitcase when he started attacking me. Only yeah. because I was going up against the big dog, and that was SNWA, which were basically dedicated to destroying my operation. 
Yeah. Other than Nevada yeah, Water and, Authority. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's just yeah, it does. It, you're you get your eyes jerked open real quick. <laughs> yeah. No, I and I uh, the 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 sooner the sooner rural America understands that reality, uh, the better we are. And it literally just that um, they don't they don't listen. The government doesn't have to be your enemy. That's not the way we have to look at them. We just have to look. We just have to realize that their role is not as a friend. They are a regulator. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and so so I love listen, I love I come from my mom's side of the family. They're all police officers. I love people that spend a life in law enforcement. I've got people from there's we have Secret Service members, FBI folks, lots of troopers and and county sheriffs. I have a cousin running for county sheriff in, in Texas today, right now. But listen, the the reality of that is, is that that doesn't mean that I have to go follow them around and just like applaud them for everything that they do as well. I, I have a tendency to drive slightly above the speed limit. So I want to avoid my relatives then too, you know, <laughs> and, and we just need to, we need to, we need to be reasonable about, about how we look at them. And again, that Congress would love to tell us that USDA is the means by which they love on us and that the interior department is the way that they love on us. Well, that's not tough love, you know, that's something way different than tough love. It's uh, mafia love. Uh, it's like a yeah, it's mafia, mafia love. Yeah, yeah. and hey, we uh, we need to break that chain. I want your two's take on this because last week I got into a rash of phone calls, and I, I welcomed them. A rash of phone calls from folks who went into the USDA office to pay off their loan before the end of the year, and seven people I talked to that. Uh, they went to pay off their loan and the USDA said, nope, you're already paid in full. So it's like they wrote off the last portion of whatever the loan was at the USDA. And I, I talked to one guy and I said, I don't want hearsay. I want to talk to people that had this happen. And now I have. But everybody that I talked to is in the state of Oklahoma. So I'm bringing it up today to know if either one of you have heard of such a thing. And what we theorize might be going on where USDA is just writing off their the rest of their loans for uh, a beginning farmer or whatever their program loan was. Yeah. I don't, have to I don't have one. Game. So yeah. Uh, Hank, you, what'd you say? I, it's gotta be for political gain, but as far as, as banker tougher and all over at the PCA, mother Ray, uh, my files right on the corner of his desk and there's a red light on it. So I, I don't really and truly, you know, if I can pay the interest, I feel pretty proud of myself. So I don't think that I'm going to call him uh, after we get through with the show here and find out if he's paid off my loan. I don't know yeah, why. These are all it's, USDA loans, not with US, uh, I'll be Farm darned. Credit or anybody else that I'm aware of. Well, you know, they did that back under old Jimmy. You know, they, they, there was people walking away. You know, I sold a bunch of sheep to this lady. For more money than by twice of what they were worth, she set the price. I couldn't help myself. I sold them to her. Uh, the guy at the USDA called me back and said, do you want to buy those sheep back? And I said, yeah. And he said, what price? And I told him it was about a third of what I sold it to her for. He about swallowed his tongue, but he took it. And then he called me up and he said, There's a, he just had to take out a dairy. 
And the guy left everything, the cows, everything. All he did is took the mattress and the, and the groceries out of the house and a note on the table that said, I milked them this morning. You can milk them tonight. And they wrote all of those off because they had this program of getting everybody into agriculture at that time for whatever reason, small guys getting in. And they, in Southeast Oregon, they wrote off a gazillion of them, just mm. took them off. But I, I never heard of somebody that was still trying to pay his loan. And, yeah, and, they, and they went in to pay, people went in to pay their loans off. And it was all huh. different. It wasn't the same amount. It was very, it was varied, but it was all in Oklahoma. So my initial thought was it was part of that deal where USDA announced that if you were a, of African-American descent or Native American descent, oh, you pay your loan off so. at 120%. These guys aren't American Indians. Oh, huh. Maybe I'll, they, are, they discuss that too. I, if you did that, wouldn't you be nervous? You're like, oh, well, no, no, I don't want you to pay my loan off because I, I don't know what you're going to come and ask for next. This is, again, mafia love. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I, I'll load up, load up my cousins. We'll go in and talk to Mother Ray at the PCNA. You know, one time. <laughs> well, I literally, I, I just, I just, uh, it, that's like maybe one of the scarier things I that know. I've heard. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I sit here and I'm, my mind's just kind of worrying about what people may have agreed to that they didn't realize that they agreed to. Um somewhere in the terms of those loan documents um, in order for them to uh, to get that. Um, wow. Well, Jay, I, I, say this. I can tell you the reason I talked to them is that they're nervous about what's happening. Yeah, anyway, sure. Yeah. What, what were you going to say, Hank? Stay tuned, boys and girls. I bet you they show up with a bunch of solar panels and some wind turbines. <laughs> say, well, That's it, right? Yeah, I'll bet you're right. Well, your lamb forty is now that now going to be solar panels. Right, your your lambs are flying through the air um, from the from <laughs> wind getting turbines. caught on a wind turbine somewhere. Now, I well, the only good thing about wind turbines is that they re they do reduce the golden eagle population yes. right in that God regard so um but uh, <laughs> what do you say right we are encouraging the death of uh, bald eagles now um, well and uncle I mean, harry literally. before he died got that done they ground yep, up one yep. out and, and they ground one up out in south spring valley and find him a million dollars and suddenly it became old, okay to grind one up once in a while and right you yeah know, <laughs> But he's the same guy that got Southern Nevada Water Authority for service permits that exclusively limits that. It says no federal, county, or state agency can hold a forest permit. And he also got him in on the BLM. So, you know, he he's, he waltzes on both sides of the street. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I, anyway, I when the government says they're gonna they're gonna help you or do something for you. That's when you. That's when you should be afraid. Yeah, right. There we go. We got um, the the most famous cliche ever. I'm from the government. I'm here to help you. We have successfully journeyed down the road connecting food producers and food consumers. For Hank Vogler, Jay Truett, I'm Trent Lewis. All three of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a rural route. And see you at the National Western next Saturday, January sixth. Yeah, last step today. Speaking of next week at the National Western, that is going to be in a beef event on the 6th and the 7th. But you can have a beef event every single day. If you go to the Protein Plethora website, 
certified Piedmontese. That's where the genetics of the cattle generate a consistent eating experience for you, the consumer. More details about CP beef and how to order. And you don't have to get beef. You can get other stuff if you like. But the beef is what we're talking about that's tender every single time. And here's the main part of the deal. You don't need to go to the store. We deliver the tender beef to your door. More details about CP Beef and order that product. Have it delivered in before New Year's Eve for the celebration at cpbeef.com. It is the tender supply.